0: Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast.
1: A thriving marriage is made up of two selfless people who are striving to serve each other. But let's admit it, we all struggle with selfishness, and it's just not easy. My first initial response to my dear wife, Dina, is not always, Oh, of course, this will serve you best. I like to guard my time and I don't like to be interrupted. And sometimes I find myself scheduling my day so I don't have to do something for her, which is not really <laughs> going to lead to a thriving marriage. Now, Greg and Aaron, uh, you two have been married for 27 years now. So, Aaron, obviously, Greg has been selfless and sacrificing that whole time. Absolutely. How about you?
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
1: Thank you,
2: John. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, let's talk. Let's look at the calendars.
2: <laughs> well, I was even—I'm laughing because several hours ago, as I got up in the morning, we're watching our daughter's uh, ginormous golden doodle dog, who's about eighty pounds. And I have a routine, I I don't like it interrupted, I get up, work out. You and me, yeah, we're like that. And there he was, and I'm (laughs) thinking, I'm just gonna yell up to Aaron, you gotta take the dog walking, this was your idea. (laughs) Versus me going, I'm gonna let her sleep, and I'll take the dog for a walk. And so we're, we're
1: always encountering Those moments of of selfishness. Yeah, yeah, there are hourly reminders of what God would have us do. It's just a matter of, do we step up and do what he wants us to do? We're going to hear more about this now from uh, somebody that is so very powerful with every word he speaks, Dr. Larry Crabb. Here's a conversation Jim Daly and I had with him about letting go of selfishness.
3: I think this is where men and women mm. our gender IQs struggle. And what I mean by that is I think men were not smart enough to figure this out and I'm as guilty as anybody. I'll give you an example years ago. We had Jane uh, had had built up quite an ironing load back in the mudroom. Here in Colorado you have nice you know mudrooms we call them with your washer and dryer and all that stuff. And so I just noticed there was a deep mound of cleaned Clothes that needed to be ironed, and it had been there for a while. It was probably four feet deep. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't know. I couldn't count the number of. It was of a Norman. busy season and in life, and I got. I was just so irritated, you know. And I was feeling righteous about this. And I hauled the presser. Her mom had bought her one of these press, you know, yes. steam pressers. So I bring that thing out. I'm trying to figure out how to set it up, how to load it with water. I'm pathetic at any of that stuff, but I figured it out, huffing and puffing. So she knew I was not happy about this, and I bring this big load of laundry out, and I set it in this big old chair, and I spent most of Saturday like I was working at a dry cleaner's, and doing all this laundry, but all with an attitude. Yes, that's the key. And I, at the end of the day, I'm thinking, okay, what did you prove that you can iron clothes? I mean, but I, nothing accrued to my credit. Jean was irritated, rightfully. That I was irritated about having to do the Mm -hmm. pressing. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just one of those wake-up calls for me when I went, how can I be so stupid? At least do it with a good attitude so that she might think, oh, wow, I married a great guy. I'm not smart enough to think that through. If we understood what the Lord meant
4: when he said, let's make, let us, the Trinity, let us make male in our image... He's talking about the relational image, which I think simply means this: How do they relate? I mean, they're the only small group that's ever gotten along really well. You think about it, because mm-hmm. the Trinity knows how to relate to one another because they have the well, they have the the resources, they have all that they need because they are, their nature is defined by love. And I put it this way: They are profoundly committed to the well being of another at any cost to themselves. My natural nature is to be profoundly committed to my well being at any cost to you. Mm. And until I understand that that's what comes naturally to me and recognize it in the moment of getting my wife's iced tea or doing the laundry or whatever it might be, realize, no, wait a minute. I'm willing to pay any price for the sake of another. If that becomes what is alive within me, my wife's gonna smell it, and it's gonna smell like really good.
3: Mm. Uh, Larry, let me ask you this: Do women manipulate in some way as well? I mean, we've talked about how men can manipulate for their end game. Uh, what about women, and how does that manipulation? What does it look like?
4: Perhaps my wife is listening so as well. No, <laughs> yeah, not Rachel, at all. you're
3: on the line now.
4: No, of course. Um, women and men are both equally flawed, but we have our own unique styles of manipulating and self-protecting. And when the scriptures refer to a woman as someone who is open to receive. The woman who is threatened and doesn't want to be facing her own pain, rather than being open, she closes mm. and she backs away. In yeah. the form in which she backs away, this will sound strange, she takes over. She becomes controlling. Mm. The The core weakness of a woman, oh dear, what am I getting in trouble for this, is that she really becomes controlling. And I have a biblical basis for that. When the Lord said in Genesis to Eve after she failed, your desire shall be for your husband as part of the consequence, that looks like a positive thing. Why is that negative? But the word desire has a very interesting meaning. And it literally means a desire to control, a desire to be in charge. I huh. could defend that biblically if we had more time. But that's what it means. And a woman who desires to control is a woman who is protecting herself from being hurt. That's manipulative and it's wrong.
3: How does a woman first realize that, and then what can she do to say, okay, how do I uh, move more in a godly way in mm-hmm. God's character? If she can begin to face the impact that her demand to control
4: has on her husband, because she's a godly woman, because the spirit of God within her soul, even as she's controlling, when she recognizes the impact she's having on her husband, she's going to be broken by that. She's going to say, that's not what I want to do with this man. I don't want to make him feel small by controlling him like a mother to a little child, And when she realizes that, there's going to be a brokenness within her. And the brokenness is going to reveal within her own soul how much she really desires something very different than being in control. Mm. She desires to rest in the strength of another. She desires to build her husband up legitimately, to find whatever he's doing that's good and to really enjoy it and make it known as opposed to helping him to see where he's wrong and how he ought to change. Mm. Think of the Proverbs 18 passage, Proverbs 19, I'm sure, I'm not sure where it is, where the writer says, a man, says that I'd rather be in the attic of a house than living in the living room, if I can paraphrase, with a vexing woman, with a controlling woman. I'd rather be in a desert, he says a few verses later, than to be with a contentious and a vexing woman. The word contentious there literally means a referee, a woman who has a whistle in her lips, Mm. like a basketball referee. The woman who has that, the whistle-blowing woman is not attractive to any man. And when the woman realizes that that's what she's doing, her godly soul is going to say, oh, Lord, forgive me.
1: All right, Greg, so uh, Dr. Crabb was talking about how women can struggle with controlling the relationship. Speak to men. What are some ways that we manipulate, uh, either intentionally or unintentionally, just because of who we are and how we're wired? I think for a lot of men,
2: anger is a way to manipulate you think about anger is the this the loud voice the the it's all about controlling something we're trying to keep someone from from seeing what's really going on inside and men can can default to anger because it's all about control. Yeah. Okay, I don't like what's going on here, so hey, stop that! I mean, whatever, because we're trying to to get what we want.
1: Yeah. And Aaron, what's the typical response a woman would have to a man who's angry like that? Yeah.
0: Typically, they shut down, they retreat. That's it's it it stirs fear up, mm-hmm. and really, underneath that anger is something much more vulnerable. There's something. There's a deeper, more vulnerable feeling underneath the anger. So, in many ways, we all. use... Use anger to really protect, to self-protect, to keep people at a distance, and to manipulate them into what we want.
2: I think sex is another one that, for a lot of men, that's very manipulative. They they've never learned how to develop um, a true intimacy, a true connection in in sex. Then is seen as the only way that I can experience this side, this type of connection, and that that type of release and And so it doesn't matter where my wife is at it doesn't matter if she 's struggling with something you know the the quote unquote the headache i mean it doesn't matter. I have a need, I want this, we need to do this, you need to submit. To that. And so I know for a lot of guys, that's turned very, very manipulative.
0: And another way is you know, if there's those that are angry, but then there's those that are silent and avoiders, and they avoid bringing things up within the relationship, and thus it's just really, really quiet. And over and over again, I interact with couples who come in and they go, it's just been quiet for a very long time. I'm
2: an avoider, mm. by the way. Are you? I really am. Yeah, I'm not I think using I this to bring would. anything yeah. up yeah. or, you
0: know. <laughs> yeah.
1: you know the, Let's go her, ahead and just roll tape and we'll just see how. Where yeah. this no, goes. No, seriously,
2: yeah. hearing, hearing her say that, I mean, we've had that conversation before, but... Just hearing her say it. I did not write that particular one on my notes thinking about manipulation. Yeah. But she's right. I, hmm. I can use silence, <laughs> I can use yeah,
1: use avoiding um is as manipulation. Well, the the truth is, if you love your spouse, and I hope you do, um, we do. Then think through, and I was listening. <laughs> <I was speaking. laughs> and notice he That's said good. we do. Yeah, thank you for listening <laughs> to yeah, me you. so attentively. Yeah, thank you for Greg. speaking for me so about
0: you, how I feel. We,
1: we do want you to love your spouse <laughs> sacrificially and selflessly, as Doctor Crab was encouraging you to do, and and that means leaning in. That means being intentional. That means. Uh, Showing up and and being honest about the issues that should be on the table if you want to grow, because the silent approach just lets things fester.
0: And the bottom line is every single husband, every single wife can step back and ask the question to God, am I being the husband, am I being the wife that you're calling me to be? And amazing, the Lord is so faithful to to bring down that He'll direction. Answer that question. Oh, He answers yeah. it and brings He's conviction good, yeah. and direction. I'm
1: convicted right now.
0: <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm gonna I take a hoping. break. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, so let's land with the question again. Just iterate, reiterate that question.
0: Am I being the husband or the wife that God is calling me to be? All right,
1: let that just sink in with you. And um, if you want to follow up, uh, the website has details. We'll try to include some great resources that relate to this. Certainly, we have the full conversation with Dr. Crabb and his excellent book, The Marriage Builder. That has been on my shelf for 35 years. That is one of the best marriage books I have ever read. It influenced me all those years ago, and I've never gotten rid of it. I, I've got it highlighted, uh, I've got underlines in there, and I need to go back and read it again after this little segment that we've heard today. Uh, All of that available to you at the website, and uh, we'll have the link in the show notes. Well, next time, Pastor Levi Lesko shares his thoughts about reclaiming God's design for romance and sex. And for now, I'm John Fuller. On behalf of Greg, Aaron, and the entire marriage team here, thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage podcast.